Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. So today our topic is on scleroderma and we're continuing on mm. with our uh, arthritis series. The um, seropositive, seropositive ones, yeah. And so we've moved on to the, the condition scleroderma and breaking down the name, it just means hardened skin. Mm. And we're going to go through what types of scleroderma yeah. there is and, uh, and what kind of uh, clinical symptoms and things you can um, see in, in someone with scleroderma. Yeah, exactly. So our, there yeah. are different types, right? But mm. our focus is going to be mainly on the generalized scleroderma, mm-hmm. particularly looking at the limited mm-hmm. type as mm-hmm. well as the diffuse type as well. So obviously by the sounds of diffuse is probably more severe than the limited type. Yep. But we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail in this episode. Yes. Before we talk about the different types, actually, do you want to talk about the different types just so we have a bit of an idea? So mm. what's the difference between a diffuse versus a limited? It's okay. kind of self-explanatory, yeah. I think. For, from my understanding is that, so scleroderma, it affects the skin, but they define and they draw the line between a diffuse and a limited one according to how much skin is affected. Yeah. Um, so from my understanding is that limited scler- uh Limited scleroderma, or another name for it is systemic sclerosis, mm-hmm. affects the hands, face, and neck predominantly, and um, whereas diffuse systemic sclerosis affects a wider proportion of the skin, as well as affects additional internal viscera, yeah, in, so internal has, organs. Yeah, more organ involvement. I, I mm. think um, limited can have a degree of organ involvement as yes. well, but not as extensive as uh, as diffuse. No, you're absolutely correct, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, diffuse obviously is the worst of one, one mm. to have. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the pathophysiology of it. So this is, um, as you're not obviously surprised, because we're talking about um, arthro, you know, rheumatoid conditions, yes. um, as well as, you know, seropositive conditions. This is an autoimmune condition mm-hmm. um but what's the driving mechanism is it known uh well with there is a, a rough idea of what's happening yeah. but um i think there's there's still quite a few things that need to be figured out about it so one thing about the systemic sclerosis is that i think cd4 cells are, are quite commonly mentioned mm. that uh react to an unknown antigen but they then cause damages to the yeah. endothelium of of the skin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think what happens is that so they react to something that's not known at the moment, mm-hmm. and it causes you know the T cells release these cytokines, which in turn um, activate inflammatory cells, which mm-hmm. is part of the the cause of the you know damage that we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. and they also recruit fibroblasts as well. Mm. Now, obviously, this is an auto. So this is so seropositive is a condition that has um, uh, autoimmune factors that can be identified. What are the autoimmune factors mm. that are identified in this condition? There are two main ones, aren't they? Yep, and then we'll also go through it again when we talk about testing. Yeah, and it's the DNA topo isomerase one as well as central means yeah. that, that are being targeted. Um, one thing that you mentioned when they, the, the T cells that help, uh, the downside sequelae from, um, T cells, which cause fibrobla- fibroblast recruitment is yeah. quite important because fibroblasts will cause collagen deposition. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much, I think, one of the underlying causes of the hardening of the skin, which is the excess collagen. Builder. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so what happens, so you mentioned endothelial mm. dysfunction, but there are mm. other stuff that happens in conjunction. Because, you know, endothelium mm. and epithelium, they they sort of are the same thing, but they're just lying different parts of the body. Endothelium yep. being in the... In the vasculature, epithelium being on the on the skin. Yeah. So if you get endothelial dysfunction, you know, around the vessels, what happens then? Mm. So with that, they cause vessel injuries and um, they release cytokines. So some one thing about it, from my understanding, was that the the affected endothelium essentially mm-hmm. will release a few cytokine factors. One of them is endothelin. It's a potent vasoconstrictor. 
as well as it also decreases the amount of release of nitric oxide, which is a very potent vasodilator. Yeah. So this combination um, causes vessels to uh, to tighten and and um, and constrict. Yeah. And this will then lead to one of the key. Uh, uh, clinical symptoms that we'll discuss later on. Sure, yeah, mm. exactly right. So that's one of the things that are released, but also these damaged endothelium mm. can release um, platelet-derived growth factors and tumor growth factor beta yep. as well. And again, these are important for attracting other cells, mm-hmm. um, particularly fibroblasts, which then start laying down the um, the collagen and also the um, mm-hmm. causing the vasu- uh, the um, the vasculature narrowing, which mm. leads to ischemia. Yeah. And I think it's important to say all of these, mm. uh, to my understanding, start in the digits, so start in the fingers. Mm-hmm. And as the disease progresses, um, particularly for diffuse, then it starts moving more proximal, so up the arm and, um, yep. and towards the face. Whereas with limited, they kind of stick on yeah. the hands or on the face. Region. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. So before we talk about some of the clinical features, who is at risk of developing this condition? As it is an autoimmune disease, it's Probably, it's not as surprising to me that females are more affected than males. Yeah. Um, it's about a three to one ratio in mm-hmm. females and typically affecting around the fifth or sixth decade in life. So yeah. 50, 60 year old. So I, I'd say probably a later onset in life. Yeah. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit later than rheumatoid arthritis and other conditions we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some association with HLA um, DR1, uh, okay. but again, it's not. 100% understood why this is the case. Yeah. And are there some environmental risk factors as well? I think there are some things that are found to be associated with it, such as um, silica, epoxy resins, aromatic hydrocarbons, yeah. um, and other environmental exposures that have been associated with uh, increased systemic yeah. sclerosis. But how that leads to autoimmune conditions, isn't the link isn't 100% clear. Mm. And as we mentioned, limited systemic sclerosis has a better survival than diffuse um, sclerosis. Yes. So let's talk about some of the clinical findings. Mm. So you mentioned limited. Mm. Uh, it can be defined by a, a mnemonic that I've come across called CREST. Um, should we just mention what that is? Yes. And then we'll expand on it a little bit more. Mm. So limited uh, systemic sclerosis, I think another... Uh, it's commonly associated with the term CREST syndrome. Yep. So CREST, C-R-E-S-T, uh, C stands for calcinosis, where there's calcium deposition in the skin. Or you could also remember C as for the uh, centromeres, so that one of the centromere antibodies that which, which we were going to talk about later yep. on. Um, what does R stand for? So R st- stands for the Raynaud's phenomenon, which is different to Raynaud's disease because this is a hmm. symptom of uh, that that resembles Raynaud's disease. Okay. Um, there's also so there's C R E. What's E? E is for esophageal dysfunction. Yeah. Uh, I guess if that's the American spelling of yep. it. And so that if basically the the hardening of the skin. Uh, or the hardening of the the collagen depositions can affect the esophagus and that yeah. can cause hardening of the esophagus as well so we're going to talk about what kind of dysfunctions the esophagus will experience yeah so that's, that's one right. of the things there's yep. also the s which is um scler- uh, sclerodactyly so tightening of the skin on the digits remember how we said the skin is the uh, digits are the first to be affected yes and what's the last one t for telangiectasia so it affects the blood vessels and so you're going to see red spotting on the skin yeah um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So let's expand on that a little bit more. So, um, mm. so you mentioned that you develop um, Raynaud's phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, and we alluded to the pathophysiology. So endothelial dysfunction causes vascular constriction and thrombosis. Mm. Mm. So can you tell me a little bit more about how how this comes about and yeah. some of the clinical features? So with Raynaud's phenomenon, it. Um, so we mentioned earlier how there's vasospasm, uh, vessel, uh, vasospasms happening in the 
in the damaged like vessels, yeah. right? Because of the increased endothelin production as well as the decrease mm-hmm. um, uh, nitric oxide. But so what that happens, uh, what that causes is that the vessels constrict, and so you're going to have a uh, it will affect the blood flow going into the yeah. into the fingers. And so what you're going to see in Reynolds phenomenon is the change in your color of your fingers going from white because the vessels are constricted, the blood's There's not no going through, blood going, yeah. yeah, and then it turns blue. Why is it blue? Hypoxic? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And then then the vessels, the, the spasming is going to release and blood comes back again, so it's going to turn to red. Mm-hmm. So it's it has to turn from white to blue to red. It could be triggered from... um This, this phenomenon can be triggered from a, a cold, cold environment. Well. Yeah. yeah. But one of the interesting things about Reynolds phenomenon in scleroderma is that it's one of the most in- common initial complaints. Mm. Uh, one source I was reading is that it could actually show about 15 years earlier than when the, um, compared to the other symptoms oh, coming interesting. on. interesting. Yeah, so it, it's, it's something that shows up really early, but it also is something that also shows up in a lot of other diseases. So mm. just because you have Reynolds phenomenon, uh, it happens in normal people as well. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got scleroderma. Yeah. It's something to look at. Exactly. For. And I think in addition mm. to some of the um, vasoconstriction components, remember we said that this is associated with endothelial dysfunction, yeah. which can trigger platelet adhesion. Um, so if you're not sure about, uh, probably mm-hmm. go back and listen to our hematology when we talk about thrombosis. Mm-hmm. But this platelet dysfunction can potentially tr- trigger a clotting cascade and mm-hmm. lead to thrombus formation and oh. further occlusion as well. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah. yeah, and this is the worst case because if it's completely occluded, yep, then you're at increased risk of having digital infarct, so complete uh, necrosis or ischemia of your oh. uh, fingers, which is obviously a very un a terrible um, a terrible mm. outcome. That doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, so obviously, yep. uh, also skin is a key. Is mm. key finding with um, uh, with this condition. What are some of the cutaneous um, characteristics mm. that we might see? So you'll see like the hardening or toughening of the skin from yeah. the cutane, uh, so collagen de- depositing in the subcutaneous region. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also find uh, edema manifesting as swollen fingers and hands. One interesting picture that I found was that the skin around the the digital parts of the fingers actually um, tightened so that you've lost the wrinkliness in in your fingers. So it was quite an interesting photo. Yeah, I've come across that as well. Yeah. Um, What other things have you found? Um, So, yeah, like like you mentioned, the skin becomes thickened. And it starts, as we mentioned, at the fingers, but as the disease progresses, particularly for diffuse, then your fingers, um, then it moves up proximally. So your arms, your wrists will get affected then your um, arms, shoulders, mm. um, and trunks, and, and eventually your neck and face as well. And there's a particular mm. finding on the neck, mm. um, uh, oh, sorry, on the face. So around the lips, it looks like you're, you're pinching your lips in. Mm. Um, and so that's another sort of characteristic um, appearance of prolonged um, yep. disease state. Um, is there anything else that in terms of scut- um, cutaneous finding that, that you might see? Uh, no, I think like you, you described it quite well, especially with the mouse-like appearance of the mouth, mm. like the shrinking of the, um, the tightening of yeah. the, the skin around that area. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned GIT mm. as well yes. as part of, uh, you know, crest um, syndrome. Yes. So let's talk, because if it's going to affect the entire GIT, there are GIT. So let's break it down into, let's say, the esophagus. So what happens in the esophagus? Yep. So you can, patients can present with dysphagia, so difficulty swallowing. Mm. Um, this happens in both solids and liquids and if you think about why that might be the case it's actually it it seems to make sense to me because let's say that uh, the the esophagus is a, is a muscular tube right and we've talked mm. about it in GIT lectures yep. where there's um peristalsis contraction of the tube That's right. to push a uh, food down um but in systemic sclerosis i'm imagining that this tube would become hardened mm. and so this uh the contractions would be affected yep. so if these 
if the peristalsis is affected or absent, um, especially in the lower two thirds of the esophagus, then that you're going to have problems swallowing. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Um, and in yep. addition to that, if you get um, uh, problems of deposition in the valves and they can't close properly, you're at an increased risk of gastroesophageal reflux disease. Oh, sphincters, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sphincter. Mm. And so as a consequence, then um, you're going to get dysphagia. Yep. You might get um, Barrett's esophagus. And if you're not sure what Barrett's oh. esophagus is, refer to our GIT, but also we mentioned in our cancer talk as well. Yeah. And so that's a big issue with these patients as well as the increased risk of developing potentially um, mm. uh, adenocarcinomas um, affecting the esophagus. Yeah. What happens in the stomach? So, same, same sort of issue, isn't it? Exactly. So you've got collagen deposition, and this time it happens in the wall of the stomach. It could affect the motility. Mm. And um, after foods, you might feel a bit bloated yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And with the small intestines, mm. it, you are, again, going to observe some of the, this, this motility that we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, you tend to... Um, it disrupts the, um, the villi as well, and so you're going to get malabsorption. So these patients, over time tend to um, become deficient in key nutrients and lose weight, um, which is an important point mm. of consideration. Yeah. And with the large intestine, again, you get um, hypermotility and constipation, for yeah. example. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the respiratory symptoms because that was really, I found that really interesting. Yeah. Um, what happens in, in, the, in the lungs, for example? Okay. So one of, one of the things you can find early on is probably a bit of dyspnea as well mm. as a non-productive cough. Yeah. But the main, probably the main key finding is this pulmonary hypertension yeah. that happens. Yeah. Um, I oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Were you able to understand why this happens? I wasn't uh, really f- fully sure of, of how this comes about. No, but I'm speculating that uh, maybe the deposition of collagen affects the plasticity or the, um, is, is that the right word for it? Compliance. Compliance, yeah. yes. The compliance of the lung. And maybe if, since it's harder and then then the, the the blood pressure within the lung could possibly go Increase, up. Increase, yeah. Mm. But the whole issue is that pulmonary mm. hypertension leads to, the, the outcome that we worry about is core pulmonary or right-sided heart failure, yeah. which is, you know, really, it's terrible. It's not a good thing, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Does it do anything else in the lungs as well besides uh, this? So it can also, so you've got fibrosis happening in there, so mm. you can't, it, it will also cause interstitial fibrosis diseases, yeah. so restrictive lung diseases and um, also leading to possibly respiratory failure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we'll finish off by just quickly mentioning the renal, because some patients can, can have this renal fi- uh, findings as yep. well. So this vasculitis and endothelial dysfunction can affect, it's not just exclusive to the skin. It, if it's um, mm. diffused, it can affect the kidneys. And mm-hmm. so you're going to get afferent and uh, afferent arterioles being affected. Yep. Um, you might get um, smooth muscle cell proliferation and, hi- and hyperplastic arteriosclerosis. So mm. that can cause narrowing can cause thrombosis and infarction at the kidneys. And what are the consequences? I mean, why do we worry about the kidneys being under this mm. much stress? Well, they eventually, like, the, the thrombosis, uh, this could lead to thrombosis as well as infarction of mm. the kidneys, which if you've got infarcted kidneys, you're going to have renal failure. Um, also, malignant hypertension, which is another thing that happens in systemic sclerosis, can occur, and that would be that would be quite damaging to the the fine blood vessels within the um, the, the kidneys as well as well mm. as everywhere else. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that's that's it for in terms of some of the clinical findings. Do you want to talk about some of the investigations? Yeah. So I think we kind of alluded to it already, but you mm. know, what sort of blood works and and blood investigations would you run for patients you know suspected with sclerosis? Um, a few things I can think of are. The anti-nuclear antibodies that yep. we we talked about, so the ones that t- targeted the topoisomerase one, yes, um, yep. as well as the anti-centromere uh, 
antibodies as well, which possibly favor more diagnosis of Crest syndrome, the the limited systemic sclerosis. Mm. Mm. But yeah, you well, often run mm-hmm. run for these. So you might also do a pulmonary function test if you suspect, yep. particularly if you're monitoring a patient in terms of, um, you know, if they're suffering from restrictive lung disease or institutional fibrosis. Mm-hmm. You might also image, um, do chest x-rays to see whether you're getting these deposits fibrotic deposits in the lung yep. as well as you know um, monitoring do you doing echoes to see how the heart's going as well is there mm. anything else that you can think of uh you, i think you can do a full blood count as well yeah and, uh, and other standard tests what um about creatinine as well you can yeah. to, to assess the kidney function exactly so mm. you can use that uh, to, to assess the renal function as well because mm. you know in progress progressive disease the kidneys could get involved yeah um so once you've done the workup and you've come to a diagnosis of sclerosis yeah how do you manage it mm. so i don't think there is any really good effective management i don't there's no cure to it but yeah. it's just trying to just just to um do what you can and uh, and it seems like you know you're just treating the symptoms. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Which is the problem with all of these conditions. Yeah. So let's say where they've got skin problems, how yep. do we deal with that? So you can get, get them to practice good skin hygiene. So I think that involved also just um just moisturizing the yep. skin. Um, I think taking I th- yeah something about like taking uh, when you take showers. I think avoiding too hot a shower. I think that dries out the skin apparently. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. that's something I came across. I might have it wrong, but yes, that, yeah. that's something that I came across. Sure. So good skin hygiene. Um, there's also medications as well, low yeah. dose prednisolones, corticosteroids. Um, I think in general. Yep. Yeah. But what's the issue with corticosteroids in someone who's probably got renal dysfunction as well? Remember how they can mm-hmm. cause sodium retention in um, some corticosteroids, which could potentially worsen the malignant hypertension. Okay. So you have to be very careful with the use of prednisolones. But oh, okay. it's I the risk of the disease cool. progressing, yep. mm-hmm. but also managing the symptoms as well. Okay. Um, is there anything else? Can you give immunosuppressants? Well, I think some, uh, there's um, some limited evidence on methotrexate usage, but I can kind of guess why. Like, I can see the reason why they would use it, right? Mm. Since they suspect it's a CD4 cell involvement, then maybe suppressing the yeah. immune system might might help with it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So what about, you said, you know, we mentioned that uh, patients can develop renal phenomena or have these vascular problems. What mm. are some um, ways of managing that? Mm. So the sense... Uh, uh, educate the patient and make sure that they know what Raynaud's phenomenon is, how yeah. to avoid it, possi- uh, how to try and avoid um, it's triggering it. So like um, avoiding the cold. Yes. Um, yeah. And but there's also other medications used to dilate the the yeah. vessels. Um, a few that I can think of are the calcium channel blockers. So like something like nifedipine can help. I think yeah, nifedipine's re- used. Yeah. yeah, to to release the um uh, to cause vasodilation in the periphery. Um, other things such as uh, natural and I think mm-hmm. nitroglycerin creams. I'm not sure how how commonly that's used, mm-hmm. but it might help if mm-hmm. you're getting flare ups and you want to quickly apply because they wear quickly and they wear off quickly as yep. well. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, there's mention of using what things else? like sildenafil. You know, PD um, uh, PD like five Viagra or something. Yeah, Viagra, yep. but I'm not sure mm-hmm. whether that's actually useful. The vascular, I think that's predominantly useful. I the, think they call it a different brand name, but yes, yeah, the the, the compound, yeah. Exactly. It's probably used mainly mm. for um, for their respiratory symptoms, which we'll talk about. Okay. So you know how you said patients can get gastrointestinal symptoms as well? So besides, yes. obviously, laxatives, if they get constipated, are there anything else that you can manage? Well, one of the th- complications we mentioned was the um, reflux, right? Mm. So the gourd. So PPIs would be first line, and then yep. you also try H2 antagonists as well. Um, like ranitidine or one of the... Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, but what, what other things that are, I think, are trialed? Yeah, I think um, because the... Uh, the, because of the constipation and the, yep. the issues with the small bowel, they might increase the risk of um, mm. uh, 
bacterial infections as well mm. but you, you know that's not going to be there all the time you have to manage it when when it happens so you have to manage you know make sure you give enough coverage of anaerobic anaerobic mm-hmm. organisms with yep. metronidazole for example yeah and also obviously manage the constipation with laxatives um yep. where necessary yes how do you manage the renal disease component well i think um some some sources mentioned ace inhibitors mm. for to manage the hypertensive crisis and since the introduction of ace inhibitors that actually greatly helped yeah. with the complications of renal diseases That's right. in, in yeah. um, systemic sclerosis so ace yeah. inhibitors probably are a must in um in treatments exactly mm-hmm. um so let's talk, finish up by talk, just talking about the pulmonary symptoms as well because i yep. think that's probably the one that's going to be really bad because sure. not only do you get lung disease you get heart disease as well with it yeah so how do you manage the pulmonary hypertension for example um one thing that we read was that what in early in early interstitial diseases you use cyclophosphamide but do you know what the ra- rationale behind that i is? think that's to knock out uh, it's a um broad spectrum immunosuppressive that's yes. going to knock out their immune system um, yep. particularly cd4 um, to obviously prevent the disease from progressing. Mm. But in, in addition to that, you can give vasodilators um, mm. such as bosantan and, and um, ipoprostanol as well. Yeah. And as we mentioned, um, sildenafil, mm. um, which is, you know, the brand name is Viagra. Mm. But it's used at different dosages, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's given daily, daily. not for um, different doses for sexual dysfunction, or, uh, yeah. which is one of its other indications. Mm. But the whole point is to manage the pulmonary hypertension to s- prevent the development of um, core pulmonary, so right-sided heart failure. Yeah. Can you think of anything else that's used to manage? Uh, I think probably just general use of steroids for possible inflammatory flare-ups. Mm. But other than that, I think we covered probably yeah. a good spectrum of treatments. Exactly. So this mm. is this was going to be a really quick talk, just so we um, guys have a better. And we've come across scleroderma so many times before, and I really had no appreciation for it. Mm. Um, yeah. If you have any suggestions or comments, um, yeah, do let us know. Is there anything else you want to add, Andy, before we wrap up? No. Let's let's call it a day. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll yep. see you next time. Bye bye. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our co-editor Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.